your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 502 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And it feels weird now, back-to-back days without a Senators game for the first time in over two weeks. Yeah, we were getting pretty comfortable covering uh, every single episode, a recap and a preview, but... Since we got a bit of a break here, we did an impromptu mailbag and we got some good listener questions coming up for you guys. At Send Central is where you can find us on Twitter. That's where these questions came from. Most of them are long-term projections. Who could the Senators acquire this offseason to get into win-now mode? Who are some untouchables in the system when you're looking to add that player? And we got a Send Central citizen. We're going down to Virginia. A Binghamton native comes on, explains his love for the Ottawa Senators. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, February 24th. And Pilsy, the Senators have officially played 50 games in the second 30. It looks a lot better than that first 20. Absolutely. And thank goodness, because if we had to relive that November again, it would be, uh, I don't even know, that's just tough times. Like the the vibes, that might have been the lowest vibes had been. And that's saying something for this Senators team. So it's great that the vibes are back on top. Yes. And it's a nice round number to look back at. And those first 20 games, oh boy. I mean, one, 10 and one in November will certainly put a stall on any progress of the season. But the Senators only had four wins in those first 20 games. Clearly, the major difference has been related to goaltending, both in the amount of goals against they've allowed and their improvement on the penalty kill. Their PK after that first 20 games was at 73%. Since, 86%, over 13 points higher. So you're looking at a much improved PK and who's the best penalty killer, Pilsy? Always your goaltender. And that's shown in the amount of goals they've allowed and how that's dropped by almost a full goal. Yeah, definitely. This team has really tightened up defensively. Now, offensively, we all know the injuries. So that's where the offense dries up. But at least they were able to say, okay, we don't have the offensive talent we used to. How can we focus on what we have? And what can we do to shut other teams down so that we don't have to go out there and score five goals or we don't have to rely on the penalty kill? Let's keep games closer. The goaltending has been a massive part of why this team is having success. And I think just the the team overall is playing a much more structured game. We're not seeing those lousy giveaways like we saw at the start of the season and goaltenders just having no chance on goals. So I think overall this team has really done a good job in um, the defensive structure and that's going to help them once these offensive guys come back if they can maintain that. One of the offensive players coming into the lineup for the first time we expect on Saturday Colin White yesterday on Locked On Senators we discussed where he could play 
going forward. Now, we did get a note on Twitter asking if it could be a good fit next to Tim Stutzel. Actually, it was on our YouTube page, which we appreciate if everyone likes, comments, subscribe. All the interaction there is an absolute bonus for us here on the show. But what do you think of him playing right wing? I believe Ian Mendez asked Whitey himself in his press conference what the differences are between playing center, between playing wing. What I loved hearing from Colin White, though, was he doesn't think about his shoulder at all when he's on the ice anymore. So seems like they've learned at least their lesson from Pinto and maybe him wanting to get back a little earlier. Although now you're looking at a situation where Colin White just got the surgery right away, was out, had his full rehab. So different situations because Pinto didn't elect for the surgery. So we'll see how Norris comes back. Another guy who did not get surgery for a shoulder injury, back skating, still had the no contact jersey, but... What do you think of the probability or possibility of Colin White playing the wing? I think he should play the wing, especially to start. It's a little less taxing. And like we talked about, the the shoulder injury for a centerman is magnified for sure. You're doing draws, you're skating with the puck a lot more, you're in open ice, all that kind of stuff. So I really think to get him started, start on the wing. It's a little easier game to transition into. And also, Ross, I don't know about you, but I've really started, I mean, it's been forever since we've seen him play, but my past impressions of Colin White when he was healthy and in the lineup was it's starting to make a lot more sense to have him as a winger than a centerman, especially now that Tim Stutzla has now moved over to center and your center depth is a little stronger up front. And then if you get Shane Pinto in that third line center role, Casty as a fourth line center, I- I'm totally comfortable and happy with that. So, and where is the biggest need on this team right now? right wing right so I think there's a good chance he's going to be on the right wing and stay there is he suited to play up with Tim Stutzel on that second line I don't quite think so at least not yet I would like to see him in a bottom six role to get things started and have guys who have more familiarity a little bit more speed a little bit more offensive touch playing up there with Timmy but as the season progresses and as he's healthy and gets into the groove of the game I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to move up the lineup with the with Batherson not here Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what DJ Smith does. One thing the organization did yesterday was reassign Mark Kaslik back down to Belleville, at least for the time being. He can help them make their push. Gus as well, which means Matt Murray. We expect Murray will start. And this guy, going back to last year and beyond, great numbers against Montreal in his career. So you got to think that he's a guy who's going to get the start in tomorrow's game. What are you hoping to see out of Matt Murray early to know? Or sorry, in Saturday's game. See, I'm already so yeah. thrown for a loop. This is the longest. It's two days game. away, even. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then a game day. But honestly, I think we're going to see a lot of jump out of this team on Saturday. Rest versus rust. This team needed some rest. There were teams that played three games since the All-Star break. Ottawa's played 10 in that same stretch. So I think it's huge for the confidence of this team. And to go in with a hard-fought win like they did in Minnesota yeah. against Minnesota, that's a huge boost going into a four-day pause. Absolutely, yeah. And, and hey, we've been clowning on the Habs, as we should, as a Senators podcast, and they're last in the league. Just like to point that out once again. Yeah, I think they've but, won four out of five and are still last place. Oops. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, this is not the same Habs team as we've been goofing on this whole time. Marty St. Louis has really elevated Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, and they just beat the Sabres. I mean, low bar, but they beat the Sabres 4 nothing, and... Caulfield and Suzuki were a massive part of that, playing big minutes, scoring goals, getting assists. So this sense team is going to have to really come out of the gates flying because this is a Habs team that's rejuvenated with new energy. The young guys are lifting this team up. So the Senators need to do the same thing. We got to see Tim Stutzel. We got to see Brady Kachuk. All these guys lift this team as well because 
it's not going to be easy. And it's going to be especially interesting, Ross, if the Hamburglar is the guy in net for Montreal. Oh my because, God, I forgot. Yeah, because they, they're they really going with uh, Montembeau and then Hammond are their goaltenders right now, which those are like, that's like Buffalo Sabres, like fourth, fifth string guys that are having to step up here. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But this Montreal team is going to be playing with a lot of pace. So we need the Sens. I think if the Sens can play a physical game, like really... Don't allow those young guys to get a pep in their step. Like, play hard in the neutral zone. Four-check card, back-check card. The way the Senators play. Yep. And I think they're going to have a good chance here. But we're obviously going to preview this game in more depth tomorrow. But just in a general sense, that's what they're going to have to look at here. And get fired up for the return of Matt Murray. Career versus nice. Montreal. 8-2 and two in 10 games with a 207 goals against average and a 930 save percentage. Those are incredible numbers for a goalie. Now... Remember that Andrew Hammond's save percentage with the Senators was 11 points better than that. This guy was on an absolute run. One that sends fans. That's the kind of story you tell your grandkids about, literally, the it's spring magical. of 2015. Yeah. Magical run. The irony that Ottawa lost to Montreal in that playoffs and Hammond yeah, only true. played the first two games. And now Hammond is starting back with the Montreal Canadiens against Ottawa. I wish him the best when he's not playing against Ottawa because, man, he brought a lot of joy to Sens fans there when they were so far out of the playoff push. He got a devastating injury to both Robin Leonard and Clark MacArthur, and then they went 21-2 and to make the playoffs. That record will be forever ingrained in my mind. 21-2. and Truly unbelievable so more preview on that tomorrow we've got a send central citizen to get to and then after the game we're taking listener questions just like we did in the postcast the other night but these ones are very much intertwined to what the senators could do at the deadline in the summer how can they improve this team that's what the fans want to know and that's what we're going to get to pilsy first you got a word from one of our favorite sponsors Oh, yeah. It's betonline.net, guys. It's the trusted sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And sure, football's over, but you got basketball. Get ready for March Madness and, of course, NHL hockey. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. You got to head there today. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. If you want to stay up to date, keep your stats, keep your numbers, know what you're betting on, betonline.net is the place to go. It's your source for hockey, basketball, UFC, and more. Head to the website today, guys, betonline.net, or you can use it right on your phone. So if you're out at a buddy's place or if you're at the game getting boots on the ground scouting, don't worry because you can get it on your phone and you can bet live on the action. So head today to betonline.net where the game starts. A reminder that you can advertise with the Locked On Senators podcast. Just shoot us a DM on Twitter at SendCentral on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators, or through our YouTube page if you want to get the word out of your great company. You know we go to battle for the people who have been on the show. We do the same for the great brands that associate with us. So tune in for that. And now tune in to our Send Central Citizen this week. OGs on Twitter will remember SendsFan2569, the beer-chugging champion, while he's back with a new account. So make sure you go follow him. And I hope you enjoy today's Send Central Citizen. Here he is. It's Joel, all the way from Virginia. All right.
right, we now welcome on this week's Send Central Citizen. We're going to another Sens fan abroad, all the way to Virginia. We welcome on Joel. You can follow him on Twitter at SensFan2569 JR. And that's a secondary account. You might remember the OG Sense fan 2569. We got Joel with us now. Joel, what's going on, buddy? Welcome to Locked On Senators. Thank you very much for the warm welcome. And yes, uh, unfortunately, as with my older age, I have matured. So there has been less shotgunning videos uh, on the internet. We just discussed they are coming back, though, once the Sens make the playoffs. They have to for the vibes. Confirmed? Oh, listen, boys. If the Sen- I there was at one point where I was we we had like a five game winning streak at one point. This is probably like five years ago, and I actually had to have a conversation with myself, like how how many how long can this winning streak get before I die? Yeah, where do I draw the line? Yeah, <laughs> like how many beers can I chug? Like because you know I have like two minutes on Twitter. Like could I get down seven beers in two minutes? Like I, and these these were real conversations I was having with myself. <laughs> Yeah, the Hamburglar run would have done you in, eh? Thanks, I was a little little young for that. (laughs) Yeah, so Joel, thanks for joining us on such short notice. We love uh, Quick Initiative and hopping on like that. Where are we talking to you from? We're in Virginia. Uh, Not not quite near uh, not quite near UVA, which I know is there's a Kachuk connection there. Um, But we're just south of Richmond in Hopewell. We do have a claim to fame to the number one run, former number one running back in the nation uh, who got recruited to Ohio State last year. Um, so we, we put out nice. some athletes here. All right. right. Nice. Well, you're from a town known for developing athletes, the home of the 2011 Calder Cup champions, the Binghamton Senators. Is that how your love for the Ottawa Senators began? Absolutely. I grew up in bingo uh, and as we saw, I, I, I've been hearing all these ricochet shots that Bingo's been catching along the Couldn't way. Couldn't be us. It's it's everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard, like, every player, when, like, they, they get interviewed, like, what's the worst AHL rink you played in? Bingo's the number one answer. I just don't think they wanted to play Jeremy Yablonski because he was a <laughs> Brian McGratton was down there for a bit. Oof. Well, we had, De- we had Dennis Bonvi on the on the show, too. There was, there's, there's one time, I, I must have been like five years old. The th- I, we used to call it the Thanksgiving Day Massacre. There was, <laughs> I don't know if it was Albany or something, but I think Bonvie was involved. This was like 2003 or something. Uh, and it was just fight after fight after fight. But yeah, bingo is, is where I get my love for the Ottawa Senators uh, because watching the boys come up to the NHL, it only made sense to be an Ottawa fan. Did you have a story teed up there about Brian McGratton? <laughs> yeah, I put this on Twitter one time, but I went to a practice and I was getting the boys autograph. And I swear to God, I my dumb, bright eyed six year old face looked at this guy and asked him for an autograph. And I had a black puck with a black Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> and it, hey, he signed it to me. I brought it. I, I, I think I, I might still have the puck. You can't see it. <laughs> it's a thought that counts. It's a thought that but, counts. Complete beauty. Love McGratton for that. Nice. So what um, what was the vibe when the Senators left uh, Binghamton? Like, I know the Devils AHL affiliate uh, came in to replace them. Uh, were you still in bingo at that time or had you left? I was not in bingo when they left. Okay. But I mean, all my boys uh, still are. And yeah, okay. uh, 
most of them treat it as the minor league, the AHL games are just an excuse to have a pop or six. Go and party, yeah, fair. So, uh, you know, they didn't care too much uh, that it switched, but there were some people like me that did appreciate the connection with the Ottawa Senators. Um, So did they just change affiliations and now they're Devils fans too? Or did a lot of those guys stay true to Senators because – like you, they have memories with the prospects that had played there and then called up. I think a lot of the people that took it a little more serious, like I did, they, they, uh, they stayed true. Nice. So who were the first bingo players that you remember coming up through the system and really falling in love with? Oh, Pajot. Pajot. Uh, now when it comes to my, my personal connections, uh, Oh, Mika's a manager was another one. Uh, Mika was a fun one. Uh, Carlson wasn't really down there much, uh, if at all. But uh, my best connections were definitely when I was started sneaking in the bars when I was 18, 19, and maybe allegedly having a drink or two with the boys after the game. <laughs> Man, Pajot had a good couple of years down there. I was surprised. Yeah, he played over 115 games with uh, – with bingo that would have been right after their calder cup run so man it's it's kind of cool i guess seeing these guys so young almost kind of like even sense fans with the nhl team seeing zidane chair at the age he is and now he's about to break the all-time games played for most games for a defenseman in the history of the game so that's huge and that connection always stays true you know you hear that with guys in uh in the uh, OHL as well. I remember watching Cody Cece, right? You're like, oh, what could this be down the road for the Sens? But that's an awesome connection there that you have with the guys in bingo. But now looking at the team today, who are some of the guys that really keep you? I have a feeling that number seven's got to be high on your list, knowing how you got, how you like how the guys play the game. So, oh yeah. So I was surprised you guys remember the OG Twitter account. So let's grit hard speed. You know, like Chris Neal, number twenty-five. Like, let's you're on you're on team retire twenty-five, eh? Oh, twenty-five should if if any if we trade for someone or something that is wearing number twenty-five, they should, it Neal's going to go down to the rink himself and take care of it. Yeah, he should. He should, and he has every right. That number, yeah. he's listen, the pride and joy of Flesherton, Ontario. I mean, number oh, twenty-five yeah. on the scorecards, number number one in your heart, Chris Neal. It is what it is. Do you think uh, number seven's a little bit of a clone of him in a way? Maybe a little more skill? Oh, <laughs> Listen, Brady's got to be the favorite player on the team. And it's yeah. so weird. This is the first time I've ever had a player that I've cheered for that's younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a so full, strange. That's a life, life moment right there. I remember that, too. And I swore I would never get a guy's jersey who was younger than me. I got a nice chuck one hanging up in the closet. Yeah, yeah I've got a Timmy Stitzel over here. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're old enough to be his dad, Pilsey. Honestly, yeah. Geez. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, grit, heart, that's kind of what exemplifies what you look for in a player. Who else on the scent do you think kind of fits that mold? Oh, Waddy. Listen. Nice. Yep. Austin Watson. Like, you show me a guy that, like, would put his face in front of a puck. It's like, listen, I, that makes me want to buy your jersey. Just when I – and part of it's from the way I played sports. I played a little hockey, but I was really good at lacrosse. Played a little bit okay. uh, at some lower-level college levels uh, of lacrosse. I played, played a lot of sports. And I was, I was always, like, a, a team guy. So I think that's why when I see like the enforcer role, people that'll put their face in front of shots, it's just, it gets the blood going. And it's, that's what I really relate with. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can tell from the way you talk that you're probably a big fan of DJ Smith as a coach. So what uh, what can you tell us about DJ and what do you think about his future? Like, do you think he's just a coach that, you know, he's a player's coach, he's here for the young guys through the rebuild years. But do you think this is a guy that when they're in playoff contention and uh, things are really starting to get serious that he can lead them to a long run? I think the real and well, it's tough, right? Because you, you got to you don't just go for missing the playoffs, winning the Stanley Cup. So we're yeah. talking most likely what a three best case scenario in three to four years, Ottawa is like a, in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Apologize, boys. We're at the school here. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but uh, so I, I think honestly, DJ Smith's success is tied to Pierre Dorian. Because if okay. Pierre Dorian leaves, he's if someone new comes in, DJ Smith's gone. That's true. Um, Good point. Yeah. So I think Pierre needs to stay, and Pierre needed DJ needs to have success so Pierre stay, stays, so that DJ can attempt to make the run with this group. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a wild circle, but it makes sense for sure. No, yeah, they're they're cohabitants. They need each other. No, that does make sense because. Almost always when a new GM comes in, he's like, well, I don't have any loyalty to this coach. He's not my guy. Like I want to put faith in someone I know and that I'm choosing. So it really shortens the leash, leash on a coach like that. So that's well, a good we point. saw it, uh, the team auto was playing on Saturday. They fired 100%. the coach like a week after the new, the new uh, tenure came in up top. Yep. So with uh, Pierre Dorian, you said he has to have success here to keep his job and make sure that the circle can keep going round and round. We're leading up to the trade deadline less than a month away. What are you hoping to see change in this core? Or is it more of a stay pat move, wait until the summer to make a splash? I I want to see some more picks. Here's the thing. I, what drives me nuts, I love fourth and fifth round picks. Like, give me those. I call them $2. That's why you're a Sens fan. <laughs> give me those $2 scratchers. Give me the $5 scratchers, right? Like, you never know. Sometimes they turn into anymore. a Drake Batherson or a Mark Stone. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, we, it's this, it's the same thing that the Vancouver fans were saying about their, their GMs, right? Scouting's their strength. If scouting's our strength, then hold on to your dang picks. What year was it? Was it two years ago that we had all those picks and then we traded a couple yep. of them away? And I get it. One of them what was for Austin mean? Watson. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yep. I like, I like that. <laughs> that's turning a scratch ticket into a warrior. But well, one of them was for old Matt Murray. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the second rounder there. But I bet you love the Gabranson trade too. That was for another pick. Listen, you know, I, I might have, I might have a special place in my heart. I, I've been a members on HockeyFights.com for nice. ages. That might be the uh, least surprising thing I learned. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I love, love it. My, I love my love my tough guys. No, yeah. you need a few, man. We're we're on t- we're on team. Uh, I don't know if it's eye test or what, but knowing that you need a little grit here up and down the lineup because, well, a I know he'll do it, but you don't want Brady Kachuk to lead the team in fights. He's more valuable on the ice than sitting for five or ten minutes if he starts the thing. Which I mean, he's done once or twice, but usually standing up for someone. So why not have a guy in their third or fourth line? Now, where I differ a little bit, and I know Josh Brown can be that guy. I rather have my tough guy as a forward so that you're not dropping down to 5D every other game yep. and having to rely and switch up the D pairs. And it just kind of causes a lot more headaches. So for me, I'd have a, a spot there on the fourth line where 
he's got to do a little bit more and Austin Watson kills penalties. So that's him adding a different element, not being one of those one dimensional guys you saw 10 years ago where you're playing two and a half minutes. You're in the box more than you're on the ice. You can't have those kind of guys anymore, but there's certainly room for guys who can really chuck them and make sure that other teams are staying accountable. And the Sens might have one coming up right now in the system. Don't know if you saw Boucher's game last night. I was all over the place in terms of the prospect pool right now. You got a few guys who I think fit your mold as a player, Ridley, Greg out and Brandon as well. Who are you most excited about coming up through the system right now? Or, Hey, maybe he's got some $2 scratch tickets that you like the way they're developing. Chew. (laughs) Boys. The K trade. There was that one hit like a month ago. Yeah. The the body like went in a circle after it helicoptered. Like that is a man like that. Tyler Clevin hits how we heard Tyler Boucher was going to hit. Yep. Yeah. Like that is crazy. I can't wait for the K train. That is, that is what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I even love seeing how Castle came up, but yeah, he'd be another guy, game. another favorite for you. eh? Oh, that's where I, you know, Brady, every Brady Kachuk has enough Jersey sales, right? Let's get these fourth liners some more. Let's get him yeah. some real numbers, though. Nobody's getting a number 47 Casty jersey. Get this guy Get this guy a proper number. Yeah, maybe I mean. He'll be, if, maybe he'll be next in line to get 17, the number that's most handed out in this organization. There's got to be at least 30 guys with worn number 17. Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, like, speaking of Tyler Boucher, I want to get your opinion on this. So, a lot of people were, I don't want to say disappointed, but shocked when Tyler Boucher was selected much higher than he was scouted, much higher than he was ranked. But you look at the intangibles, the physical play. His dad was a pro. Um, You know, he sure he may not have uh, had a full season where he's been able to show Sens fans what he can do. But how do you think about the idea that the Sens are building this culture around, you know, more of the people rather than just pure skill? Like, do you think that really plays? And I mean, if you've been around uh, uh, the AHL city in Binghamton, that's won a championship with a lot of great character guys. What's your opinion on that type of uh, draft uh, focus? I mean, that's definitely true. Where like the, the scouting, you're not just scouting the numbers, you're scouting the person. Yeah. Uh, and as it, I mean, just being a part of so many locker rooms, I was at least a three or four sport athlete my entire life. It was, it, you know, certain locker rooms, guys weren't taking it serious or guys were just kind of like starting arguments and stuff. And it just, that's not going to work. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're if, if you're taking stuff away, then you're, 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 if you're net negative, then it's not worth it. Or if, you know, uh, so I think with Tyler Boucher specifically, I was, I'm not going to lie, definitely disappointed about the selection, especially at the time, because like we said, I think I was in line with you. That was the dream pick with the with the second round. Yeah, <laughs> not we had the, him a five star overall pick. Yeah, not the tenth overall pick. Um, but listen, but like we've been spoiled by the scouting staff. So in Trent, we trust. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? William Scouch or, or Scouching had a very yeah. calculated take that I tended to agree with, where uh, Boucher has a lot of value for this system. Yes, exactly. So, so if this system were to ever change, if DJ Smith were to ever get fired, uh, if Pierre Dorian were to ever go and then DJ Smith gets fired, then it, this pick really, really doesn't make sense. So this is very risky in the sense that we, our system better not change. But in one sense, though, you could look at it in perfect uh, quote, Brady Kachuk, 
tells uh, was it DJ or Pierre when they drafted Tyler Boucher. I like this kid. This kid's going to play well. He's the captain of your team. He's the face of your franchise and he's locked up for the next eight years. So even if Dorian goes, even if DJ Smith goes, the culture is set there by Brady. So hopefully that should help guys like Ridley, guys like Tyler Clevin, guys like Boucher come into this team, no matter who's at the the top in the executives and be like, all right, we have a style of play that's been set for years and identity. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to follow that. So I think Maybe if you're a team like, I don't know, the Colorado Avalanche or or the Carolina Hurricanes, where they focus on other things, reaching and selecting Boucher a 10th overall doesn't make a lot of sense. But like you're mentioning, if you're a team like the Ottawa Senators, it works perfect and it just adds to what you're trying to build. Yeah, well, they're trying to build is definitely the name of the game right now for a team that is above 500 since November, but still Ooh. finds himself in the bottom third of the NHL. Joel, I got a final one for you here. And everyone, make sure you go follow Joel on Twitter and hound him. Get the videos back. We need it on the content side of things. SensFan2569JR. two five six nine jr My final question for you is, what would be a successful final, what, 30-some games of the regular season? How would you consider that a success for Ottawa? Nick Paul needs to get figured out. Nice. Okay. okay. That's that's probably priority number one, whether that's re-signing and what, what's the number for him? Is four mil, is four by three too high? Four years four mil or four for three mil? years? That's a little high. Either, switch it, either one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> three by four or I, four by three. I do four I by think, three. Yeah, yeah, you got to try to keep them under three, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So that's priority. Give us your top three. So Nick Paul, figuring him out, number one. Figuring out our, our goal tending tandem for next year. Yeah. You want to have that set by the end of the deadline. So I think that means same as Nick Paul, then you got to figure out whether you're trading or signing Forsberg, Anton yeah. Forsberg. Right. It's, and it, Gus, I think Gustafson needs to have some dang stability at some point too. Yeah. yeah that's what I've been saying, man. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. So th- those are definitely the top two. And the third one would probably be like, so are we, I mean, I heard Fiala, Fiala actually wouldn't be moved until the summer. That's what yeah, the probably Garen said. Yeah. Garen, sue me. I, I don't pronounce words the best sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, like, so what are we going to do? Are we going? Cause Pierre Dorian, I don't want to say showed his hand, but he, he kind of tipped it a bit when he said he was going to make a big move or he was interested in, preparing for next year by acquiring at this current trade deadline. So I am very intrigued. Does he sell off Tierney? What do you get? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I want to be mean. I'm not, not going to be mean. Lot. My restraint is coming back. What do we get? Like a conditional seventh for retraining for retaining future considerations, <laughs> the old future considerations. Yeah. So there's a lot of moves to be made at the deadline here. Now, uh, thanks again for your time, Joel. We can't thank you enough. Uh, one last question for me as we go here, the first round draft pick this year, probably going to be in the top 10. If we're being uh, honest here, right around that mark. Do you think that's up for play or like you said, in Trent, we trust, is it too risky to not give them the opportunity to select someone that high in the draft? 
Joel probably wants to trade the first rounder for one second, one third, one fourth, one fifth, one sixth. Yeah, all the mid <laughs> yeah just take all of Buffalo's fourth rounders for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, boys, you, you saw the eyes light up. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and I, I don't know. Like, well, the, we're, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything. Like, but we're, we might be playing the draft lottery game soon here uh, on old draft lottery simulator. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we're not. And maybe the boys go on a run or something, but uh, I would like to see them dra- like, what's our right side looking like is ideally zoo branch but the zoo only has like one year remaining after this year. Yeah. I believe. So it, our left side's good. If they draft the yep. left defense one, I'm going to go nuts, <laughs> especially that high. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I wouldn't mind grabbing a center. Like, is Norris long-term a 1A first liner? I'm not sold yet. Maybe that, maybe that's some a tough pill to swallow, but I'm not sold that Josh Norris is a 1A yet. Um, I think ideally on a Stanley Cup winning team, he's a second liner. That's what I've seen so far. Prove me wrong, Josh. I would love to shock yeah. and make you sh- have you make me shock on five beers for being wrong. So then are you suggesting that they use the pick to get a centerman that can be a 1A or use use the pick to draft someone in that position? The thing, our pro scouting has seemed like it's so bad where I'm scared yeah. for them to make a trade. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm that. I'm really scared of our pro scouting. So keep the pick. I would rather, yeah, okay. keep the pick. I would rather trust our drafting and development, even though it would take much longer. And that's the thing. I don't think the timeline lines up, so I think they're going to make a trade. Yeah, okay. well, time will tell. The thing about this team is there's never a dull day, and there's never a dull fan on Twitter. Joel just proved that once again. Had to reboot the account, so go give him a follow. <laughs> at SendsFan2569JR. Joel, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being a Send Central citizen, buddy. Thank you, boys. Stick taps to Joel for joining us. What a fun chat with him. A bingo native. I think that's our first bingo native on today's sh- on uh, Locked On Senators. It's it's gotta be. I mean, uh, definitely. And man, I although I'm not jealous, he grew up in bingo. I am jealous he got to see that Calder Cup because yes. 2011, a lot of beauties on that team, and uh, well, we that had- must have been a run. We had one of them on this show, pre-YouTube, pre-when people really started listening. But Cody Bass, remember he had some great yep. stories about Casper's dog events, yep. a young Robin Leonard stealing that first round series. That was a fun chat. So remember I asked, I said, hey, everyone, go listen to an episode before you can hear how tight we, we <laughs> really cut everything out. That would be a fun one if you want to scroll for a while on the a Spotify while. app. But Cody Bass was a fun interview on Locked On Center. So was Joel. Thank you again to Joel for joining us. And we appreciate every listener of Locked On Senders, especially like the amount of engagement on Twitter. It really does blow my mind. I remember telling Pilsy we were going to get to 1,000 followers in a month. Did did I say a month? I remember I was a little uh, heavy on the hand on that one. Yeah, you were definitely ambitious. It took a little more time, but now we're above and beyond what we were expecting. So it's been amazing. Senators fans would hope that the team takes the same trajectory out of the dark days and into the light. What is a realistic plan for this team in this upcoming offseason? That's a question that another Sen Central citizen, Peter Houston, asks on Twitter. So are the Sens going to make some win now type moves to start to really try and push for a playoff spot? Or are we just going to see what we get again next year with this current group, just hoping for improvements within? 
I think this is going to be a year similar to 2020, right? And you can make your joke, sure, but the Sens were in the mindset of we need to add big pieces to win now. They added Matt Murray. They added Evgeny Dadanov, and then they brought in some extra help, some depth players, and Austin Watson, Eric Branson. And yeah, we know how good he turned out. We know Matt Murray wasn't a great start here, but now look at his numbers. So I think, and Evgeny Dadanov, obviously, it just didn't quite work out here either. So there's moves that the Ottawa Senators are going to have to do that are similar to that. Hopefully, the pro scouting is is a little uh, bolstered, and we can get some uh, guys that fit in a little bit better. But I do think, like, looking at their cap-friendly, Ross, like, when teams really have success, it's when they're able to ride off the coattails of entry-level deals and then add big players later. And the Senators, like, Brady's not on an entry-level deal anymore. Norris, he's coming up, too. Stutzla only has one more year. So to take advantage of those contracts, they need to do something big this summer. And I think that definitely could be a possibility. Do you think it's more likely via trade or free agency? Trade. Absolutely trade. Because no team, like, show me one example of a team that has won the cup through free agency. It just doesn't happen because there's a reason guys are free agents. And usually it's because a team that has seen the best of them says, all right, the market is going to suggest he's going to be asking for this much. And we don't believe he's worth that much. And obviously, there's examples of guys that just you can't keep them anymore, like uh, like a Tyler Toffoli with the Canucks. Like they just or Nazem, or I guess he was traded too. So never mind. Yeah, that was a trade. So there's just not a lot of times where you win a season because of what you did in free agency. So I think really it's going to be through trade, and it's got to be trades with either uh, like a trade and extend or trade for someone that already has terms. Like they can't trade for someone like. Like the Derek Stepan thing, that's a guy I didn't mention in there in those moves because it was just silly to give away such assets for a guy that's on the downturn of his career and only had one year left. Like that's why it was mm-hmm. such a head scratcher of a move. Obviously, we know the money, there was some money um, uh, things behind the scenes. Exactly. But it just moves like that cannot happen. And the second round pick, like sure, the Sens had a bunch of them, but think of the value that can be held with second round picks. So I just I just think they need to find someone where they see him fitting in long term and growing with this core group of young players. So guys who you'd have to trade for, but you mentioned extend right away, there's the group of RFAs that are upcoming this offseason. You're thinking that would be the best route to take when you look at the upcoming RFAs include. And I'm not saying that all these guys would be on the Sens radar and hell, the price And we'll get to who could be some untouchables. But for these guys, I don't know how many you can realistically have. But these are the upcoming RFAs without a contract this summer. Matthew Kachuk, Patrick Laine, Brock Besser, Kevin Fiala, Jake DeBrusque, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kirby Dak, Capo Caco, Kasperi Kapanen, Jared McCann. Those are some high-level players. Andrew Mangiapane, another one. Like Those are some... Some good top six talent that would clearly round out Ottawa's top six. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of guys there that definitely would make a difference. I Maybe this is an unpopular take, but I've really cooled off on the Matthew Kachuk acquisition. I just think this is Brady's team. I think it, it just makes more sense to 
to have them a part sure it'd be great but the price of what you need to get it get them and i think the sens are looking for a different style of player anyway so i wouldn't go the matthew chuck route yeah, like a guy like manji apani could be interesting but i think you're looking for a little more oomph a little more um history that can back up what you think you can do so sure. he's not really someone i would go for there either although he was the third member of that yeah, like Paul Connor Brown line at the World Championship. And the MVP, but. yeah. That's actually a good point. But uh, I just don't think he quite has enough to prove that he's the guy the Sens need. Um, but this is this the market that you'd be looking at, guys who are RFAs? Yeah, but I, personally, I would much rather have someone that's already has term because the Sens history with RFAs also isn't that great. So I, I wouldn't have that much faith going that way. Like, okay. re, like ideally, and I've said it before, and, I, and I'll credit Derek Lee. He was uh, the first one that really talked about it. But a Clayton Keller, I think, would just make so much sense because a lot of these RFAs, Ross, are looking for big, big pay increases. And the Senators and a lot think- of them, a lot of them deserve it based on the numbers they're putting up. Like all the guys I just mentioned are at or near a point per game, Pilsy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not down downgrading how good they are. I'm just saying, like, at this point, the Sens are going to be paying for the increase. You know what I mean? Whereas if you can get a guy that already has term, then you know you're set here. Right. And I, I don't know, just and uh, Brady Kachuk's good buddies with Clayton Keller. So I think that would also help out with the Sens friendship tour. So <laughs> that's someone that I would really look at. And especially Arizona is kind of having a fire sale right now. Um, so I think that would be a great route to go. Yeah. If we're just talking about the names on this, on the list that that I just mentioned there, the reason why RFAs are so much more appealing though, and you mentioned you're paying for the future and like that uptick. Well, a lot of them are just entering their prime. Like Dubois 24 years old. Kachuk's about to be 25 lining the same. Like these guys are all under 27 years old. Whereas if you want a guy who's already established and not to get too taken away from what the senators are after, but it sounds like the National Predators are actively shopping Philip Forsberg, who has 44 points and 26 goals in 38 games. Now, he plays left wing, a little center, but mostly left wing. He's a right shot, though. Could he be a guy you at least call on? I mean, you have to do your due diligence and check in, right? So absolutely, you need to look at that. He is the type of player the Sens will be looking for. But I'm kind of lukewarm about him, Ross, because he's going to be looking for a massive, massive payday. And he's going to get it. And I think he's going to be going to a team that's already in playoff contention. I think he wants to be that extra piece that pushes a contender over the edge. And, you know, if if we're playing fantasy land, yeah, I'd love to say Ottawa's the spot for him, but I'm not sure that's where he would want to go. So I wouldn't put all my eggs into that basket personally. Hell of a player, but as Amazing we say, player. UFA this offseason, same with Claude Giroux. That's a guy we've talked enough about. We don't have to waste time on today's show. We can clearly roll back the tape if you want to go back. And There's not many episodes we don't mention how great it would be to have Claude Giroux yep. as an Ottawa senator. Now... With these RFAs, and they would have to come with an extension or guys with term, you have to give to get. Now, in terms of roster players, who would be untouchables for you right now? I think we can start with Brady and Tim and then move down from there. And Drake Batherson, of course, as well. Thomas Shabbat definitely gets thrown into that category as well. Uh, I would even like, yeah, Josh Norris, definitely an untouchable there. So Um, you're not moving the top line and you're not moving Tim Stutzla and you're not moving Thomas Shabbat. Anyone else? Like, of course, Artem Zub would be a guy who you want to keep, of course. Yeah. But, like, if you're if you're telling me a package for one of those RFAs that we mentioned, 
is the the key is Artem Zub. You got to make a tough decision. Yeah, definitely. It'd be a but tough then you'd decision. have to replace him, right? <laughs> that's the thing. Like I, same with Nick Paul. Like for me, Zub is a guy that sure he has a lot of value in the trade market, and you have to understand and appreciate that. But I just think he's so valuable to this team, and he already fits in so well. It'd be silly to trade him, and then you got to go and find his replacement because we talked about it, Ross. That left side of the decor is looking great. But that right side is not quite figured out. Sure, there's guys coming up the pipeline in Lassie Thompson in JBD, but they're not quite there yet. You have a guy who is there in Artem Zub, and like you mentioned, he's in that age where this is his prime. So personally, I would I wouldn't say Zub is a is a untouchable, but he's right, he's right there. Like he's he's right under that list for me. So your list right now, it's Brady Kachuk. It's Josh Norris. R- rattle them all off. I'm just putting it all down so we can get a visual on our YouTube page here for everyone to see who we're to look I at. I mean, Jake Sanderson would be a part of that also. He's not on the current roster, but definitely he's a part of that. I I, I would even put Ridley Craig there, man. Just because he fits into the system so much, I think the fans are going to love him. We already love him. Uh, so I, I would put Ridley Craig on that list. How about you? I would put Ridley Gregg on that list, and I've also yeah. put Artem Zub. Just because I'm, yeah. I'm looking yeah. right nice. now at, at what else the Sens have in the back end. And yeah, you can add a goal score, and your goals per game will go up. But if you take a guy like Zub out, your goals against are just going to inflate as well. Yeah, and let's add then Zub. What are we like doing that. here? So yeah. this is the official list. I hope we didn't forget anybody there. But you're saying like in a trade, and this is a guy who I would have a lot of trouble letting go. But if Connor Brown is a guy who has to go to get a guy younger, but who's already an established NHLer, then I mean that—that's kind of the cost of doing business. Yeah, he's not an untouchable, but he's someone that like you better be damn sure that return coming back is going to work out because Connor Brown is a big part of this team and culture. So four forwards, five if you're including Ridley Gregg. So five forwards, three defensemen. Any of the goalies, if they if their offers right though, you're you're going to pull the trigger. I mean, I, I yeah. like Matt. I like Matt Murray, and uh, I, I think he can be a big reason why this team succeeds. I know a lot of people think otherwise, but I wouldn't put him at an untouchable. Yeah, Definitely I agree. Not. Yeah, I agree. Now, there's there's lots of potential trades otherwise, and I mean, like this summer, let's say a part of the trade, maybe the second piece, right? Maybe it is uh, a Nick Paul or Connor Brown. And I, I would really, I hesitate to say, because I was just talking yesterday. Is there a player who has more quiet two point nights than Connor Brown? He plays penalty kill power play. He's a guy who I want to see grow with this team. You need veterans. He wears a letter. He's a crucial part of this team. So I hate to put him in trade trade talks, but if you're getting that player who's at the next level, let's say it's Connor Brown. And would you be comfortable with moving Jacob Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson? Because I feel like that's a, a point where let's say it's it's Artem Zub on the right side, and then you're hoping that another guy can pan out, or does Brancher move and play right side once everyone gets healthy again? I feel like they might have to make a decision between Thompson and JBD. Yeah, I feel like that could happen as well. If we're going that route, and I hate saying this too, but I'd be more inclined to trade Brandstrom. Yeah. Well, we know how <laughs> we got some steering wheel punchers right now just for mentioning that, but his value can't be that high. And I mean, people are still putting out charts and we know that the analytic guys, they're just like, oh, Branch, like he's going to do it. 
He's averaging 20 minutes a game. It's not like you can say that he's being held back by coaching now. He's getting every opportunity. And yeah, there's games where you're like, oh, he made some sweet passes. But at the end of the day, he's still a guy with five points in 25, 30 games this year. And not a lot of shots. And uh, like, I don't want it to be misunderstood. I think Branstrom has a lot of potential. I think he can reach that potential. But I think he might have to go somewhere else to do it. Right, because people are saying like, oh, the second he gets traded, he's going to look great. But it's like, He's, he's literally averaging what a decent top four defenseman plays in a game. There's there's plenty of games, and he has five points in 21 games this year. Like, I, I don't know where I'm at, and I just don't know where the value is, too. Like, is he more valuable to keep, right? Because you don't want to Logan Brown him where, I mean, we see, like, the, the other side, the grass wasn't greener for Logan Brown, although no. at the start it certainly looked like you get that new bump. So I'm kind of at a loss with with what they do with Eric Branstrom right now. Well, it's tough, too. Uh, The Athletic put out an article uh, where they asked executives about possible trade scenarios. And the one executive, his response was, do people still think Branstrom's good? Like, Like, are we still going to pretend he's good? That's the thing. So, yeah, I mean, we got the rose-colored glasses on and we know the value that he had in the Mark Stone trade. But that's the thing. Like, I think the Sens held on a little too long. And I think that value may have plummeted now that he's getting these opportunities and he's not exactly thriving to where you would hope he would be. So that's a tough situation there. But I just, I don't see how he fits into this system long-term. And again, that's not a knock on him. It's just, it's a knock on the the marriage between Branstrom and the Senators. I don't think it can quite work out. Uh, at least we got Igor Sokolov for Mark Stone. That being said, before we finish up, and we do want to give some stick taps before we go to an absolute legend of a defenseman. But before we do that, I want you to power rank your RFA favorites here this season. Now, obviously, the Sens have their own RFAs to deal with, like Josh Norris, Alex Formanton, and the aforementioned Eric Branstrom. What's going to go on with that? But out of guys like Matthew Kachuk, Jesper Brad is a name we didn't mention, but he's at a point per game as well. Kevin Fiala, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Laine, Andrew Mangiapane, Jared McCann, Adrian Kempe, Sonny Milano, Brock Bessler, Martin Neskash as well out of Carolina. How would you power rank some of those players as your favorites and who you think could impact the Senators in the best possible way? I'll do three just to keep it short and sweet. Um yep. Kevin Fiala is my top guy right now of RFAs. After seeing that performance up against the Sens, I mean, eight shots, a goal and assist. He was one of their most effective players for sure. Just seeing him with Timmy, I think, would work. He's a consistent 20-plus goal scorer, gets around 40 points. There is some rumors that maybe he's not the most um, popular guy in the locker room. I mean, who knows if that's true. That's just Twitter hearsay. So, I'm willing to look past that. And I think the culture is good enough here that anyone that gets brought in, if they buy into the system can flourish and thrive. So Fiala would be my number one. And especially knowing, like, I think it's almost a guarantee Ross that he's not going to be with the wild next season. Like they, they, I don't know how they could possibly make that work. So that's why he's a number one guy for me. Then I would probably go Brock Besser. I think he's a guy that, uh, would he, look- you, you have to qualify Besser at like 7.5. Yeah, true. Yeah, a lot of money, and he's he's underperforming, I think, compared to other guys on this list. Another but guy also who's been, that Vancouver team, like yeah, 
They Another guy who's been kind of in trade rumors forever, and he's RFA, is Yessi Puliarvi, kind of a big power forward as well. And his cost yeah. would obviously be less to acquire than some of these other names that we're mentioning. Yeah, Puliarvi's an interesting one, that's for sure. I, I would take a look at him. So, yeah, the best or the qualifying offer, that that scares me a little. If we're just talking player-wise, though, I think he'd be a nice fit too. And then third, I I don't I don't love this, but if it works out, it's huge as Patrick Lining. Like, when he's not scoring goals, he's not doing much else. But if you put him into a position to score goals, he like this guy gets multi-goal games often. On the regular. Like, he's got nine goals his last 12 games right now. Exactly. When he's hot, he's so hot. But when he's cold, he's freezing cold, as fans in Winnipeg would know and be quick yeah. to point out. So I, I think he would be very interesting too, especially just because I think this team has so much depth uh, in their bottom six. They've got guys that can play a defensive role. So if you got to cheat a little on offense... I think you could do it. So he's someone I would be interested in too. And he's right at that age where he's going to grow at the same uh, length or uh, same time and uh, projection as these Ottawa Senators players. Yeah, I like that for sure. Uh, guys who I'd love to have, like Pierre-Luc Dubois is not going anywhere. He's going to find a way to extend there. They gave yeah. up lining to get him, right? So if I'm looking a little more realistic, I'll say number one, Matthew Kachuk. I still love that idea. I think that even though he's listed as a left wing, I know he plays some right wing as well. I think the vibes would be incredible if you can get him on the same squad as his brother. And then maybe these are a little bit of shot in the darks, but my number two would be Martin Neskash out of, uh, out of Carolina. We saw him play in Belleville. He dominated world juniors. Like he's such a slick puck handler. He's a guy who I think could compliment Tim Stutzla very, very well. Carolina's not letting him go. No, no they, they, they got cap problems and they, they are so deep up front. Like, they, they got to let somebody go, whether it's him, Nino Niederreiter, or Tara Vine. And like, they have so many guys, they got to make a decision somewhere. Yeah, I just think when push comes to shove, they would push Niederreiter or Tara Vine and out and keep keep him. Fair, because they also have D'Angelo to re-sign. A guy who's on a $1 million yeah, deer, a deal, Pilsy. He's got 40 points in 43 <laughs> games. Like, he's not a guy yeah. that they're letting go anytime soon. That's like, say what you want about him off the ice, but production... For value, he's the best player. He replaced in the Dougie Hamilton. Like, yeah, that was at, how at are they going to replace him? And they ninth did. of the cost. Dougie yeah. making nine million. He's making one, one million dollars. He's a point per game from the back end. So Carolina, very interesting team to keep our eye on this off season. All right, before we go, we have to give stick tabs. Zdeno Chara tonight will become the all-time most games played for a defenseman. And to put in perspective how often he played in Ottawa, Thomas Shabbat just passed him last game to play his 300th with Ottawa. So think of how long Shabbat's been with Ottawa. Maybe you younger Sens fans only remember Chara as a Boston Bruin, Washington Capitol, and now hmm. back to the Islanders. But he was an Ottawa Senator for like four seasons. This guy, he really kind of grew into the player he became in Ottawa learning under Daniel Alfredson and the great defensemen like Chris Phillips and Wade Redden really kind of brought him along in his earlier career. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you like, I think we talked about on the postcast, a uh, question was who is your favorite Senator Martians was Chara. And you said Chara was right up there for you too. So like when he was here, he was a fan favorite and he was dominant. So definitely stick taps to him. And every time I think of Chara, I've read this one article where it talks about how Every single workout he's done for the last 20 years, yep. he has written down in a notebook. Like everything, how many reps at what weight, at what time, it's all written down. It's insane the detail he puts into his workouts. That's why he's still going and just passed Chris Chelios or will pass him, sorry. fifteen, Sorry, 1,652 games, Pilsy. 
as of tonight. Passing Chris Chelios and third on that list is Scott Stevens. You want to hear something absolutely insane? When he started in the National Hockey League as a 20-year-old, it was the year before they started keeping ice time as a statistic. <laughs> yeah, wow. You cannot find his average time on ice from his rookie year in 1997, 1970, sorry, 1990, it may as well have been 78, 1998. Hmm. The ice time doesn't even exist for his first season, but crazy. he is over 25,000 minutes of ice time in the NHL. And that's not even counting playoffs where he's played 200 playoff games. And that's another 5,000 minutes on the ice. So So 30,000 minutes, 30,000 minutes at the NHL level for Zidane Ochera, man. What an absolute legend of the game. eh? I mean, there's not much more to say than that. The guy is an absolute legend. He's and like he was kind of a pioneer too, Ross. Like, um, check it out in the Athletic. They wrote an article about it, and they were saying like when Mike Milbury was looking at him, it's just like this six foot nine lanky raw prospect. Like nobody's gonna go for this guy. Like it's not gonna work. But Chara put the work in, and he made it work and paved the way for. Now, like an era of huge defensemen, like look at Victor Hedman, like there's so many guys that play at that size now because Chara showed NHL teams it can work. Yeah, wow. Credit to him, man. I'm going to be watching that game. They're playing in Seattle tonight and just to see history. Like I remember I grew up across the street from the Slovakian ambassador and like he used to come by and like play road hockey with us when we were like eight years old occasionally and like him and Hosa were Huge reasons why I became an Ottawa Senators fan in the beginning. So stick taps on a fantastic career. We'd be remiss not to mention what's going on in the world right now as well. So we're praying for the people of Ukraine right now. Absolutely insane stuff going on there. And we hope that everyone can stay as safe as possible overseas. Pilsy, anything else that you want to add today? I mean, let's just wait for an Ottawa Senators game day now. we got two more days to go. Luckily, Belleville plays, though, so that uh, can cure the itch a little. And, yeah, big weekend for Belleville up against Laval. Yes, so previews of that game and the Ottawa Senators matchup against the Montreal Canadiens coming tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening, engaging with the show. Thank you for the questions. Let us know which RFA you would target if that's the route the senators are going to go this off season for today we say goodbye thanks again to joel as well send central citizen for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senator podcast your team every day